If you work for the Catholic Church and want to avoid burnout, overcome team dysfunctions, and put more souls in the pews, we're here to help. I'm Tai Hua, here with my co-host, John Cons, and we're providing leadership development for Catholic ministry professionals. Every week, you can expect practical advice to help you move Jesus' mission forward in your parish. Today, we have an interview with a real, live Catholic ministry professional. Shannon McQuaid, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, guys. I'm excited to be here. It is exciting to have you here, Shannon. I, I've known you for a long time. <laughs> it probably feels longer for you than it does for me. Uh, but it, it's been a joy. You uh when did we meet? You were a were you a freshman coming yeah, I was in, a freshman in high, in school. high school? Yep. Yeah, and and I was the campus minister, probably the person who gets the most credit for all the good you do in the ministry world because of the example that I set for you back in the day, wouldn't you say? Yep, you're spot on, John. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have I've always said so myself. <laughs> well, okay. it, it is good to have you here. And, and as our listeners know, we we love to bring on real life Catholic ministry professionals just to share from the wealth of your own knowledge, your own experience. And so uh, as we get started here, why don't we just get out of the way? Uh, let you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, what your ministry looks like, uh, what you know, your story, what led you to ministry, kind of give them the primer on who Shannon McQuaid is. Sure. So uh, I grew up here in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, my whole life. Um, I have attended Catholic school quite literally my entire life. I even went to a Catholic daycare center. So <laughs> have been surrounded by that Catholic education my whole life. Um, I loved it and uh, was really apparent in high school, specifically through the school, uh, the high school and through the parish. The adults that poured into me um, and how that had such great impact on my faith um, and really inspired me to pursue ministry as a profession. Um, when I was a sophomore in high school, I was determined to not go to a Catholic college because I was convinced that if I went to a Catholic college, I'd never learn how to use my faith. Uh, and that was really important to me to like grow in that personally and learn how to defend my faith. Uh, but boy, was I wrong. Uh, the Lord had other plans for me. Uh, and the, the class I was taking as a senior in high school, I was like, oh, this is really cool. Like, maybe I could teach theology for a living. Like, that would be a pretty baller profession. And so drastically changed my mind and decided to go to Benedictine College in Kansas um, and study theology and evangelization and catechesis. And that was exactly what the Lord had in, in store for me and exactly the right place for me. Um yeah, so I went to Benedictine. I had a wonderful time and I would do it again in a heartbeat. Um, but I was also super homesick a lot of college. I, I've always said that if I could just pick up Benedictine and move it a little closer to home, that'd be the perfect, perfect place. Uh, because I loved everything about my experience, but I hated being so far away from my family. Um, but yeah, I was also pushed in college to defend my faith and to practice it uh, wholeheartedly. Um, just through different friends and different roommates that I had, all great people and were still really good friends, but not as strong in their faith as I was. And so really challenged me to share my faith in that manner. And that was really where the Lord was calling me to grow. Um, I went into college wanting to be a triple major so I could get my education degree and come back and teach high school theology. And then I was like, that is insane because that's a lot of work and a lot of schooling. Um, and Somewhere in there, I had some experiences working with in parish ministry that I just fell in love with, um, the idea of working in parish youth ministry. And so I pursued that um, short after, shortly after starting college. 
graduated from college with my degree in theology and then a degree in evangelization and catechesis. And right after college, I uh, worked for the Diocese of Sioux Falls as the director of college ministry at Dakota State in Madison, South Dakota, and loved my two and a half years there, but quickly learned that the college age was not for me because college is hard and being right out of college, trying to minister to college students is even harder. Um, but lots of growth in that experience in that time in my life. And so I'm very thankful for that opportunity and for the mentors that came from that. Um, after that, I began working uh, alongside John at St. Catherine Drexel in Sioux Falls uh, as the parish youth minister. Best and job then, you ever had. <laughs> I'm still there starting on my uh, two and a half years later, I guess, almost um, three years, which is crazy. Um, I currently do sixth through 12th grade youth ministry and first through 10th grade religious education. And I love it. Um, it's where the Lord is calling me and where the Lord's put me in this season of life. And I absolutely love getting to encounter students every single week in their faith journey and be a part of that. Um, it's at the point now where I, I have been with a lot of these kids for almost three years. And so watching them grow up is really rewarding and really cool to get to be a part of their faith journey and just their life in general um getting to go to their plays their sporting events their musical performances all the things um i just super love that uh and get, loving to get to share in life with them um my ministry what it looks like i guess i would say i was really inspired by pope paul the sixth and he has this quote that says the world needs witnesses more than it needs teachers than if they listen to teachers because they're first witnesses. And I think about the people in my own faith journey that have been witnesses to the faith and how that's inspired me to be the Catholic and that I am today and to live my life that way. Um, and so I try to model my ministry after that by just being a witness to the joys of Catholic living, um, the joys in the joyful exciting times and the joys and the hope that comes in the resurrection and the hard times so that's what i base my ministry off of is being a witness yeah for sure I, and when i listen to you speak about your experience in catholic ministry i mean it really started going to catholic school so you've seen both like the re you've received that ministry and now you're giving that ministry so you received that as a kid then you went to college catholic college and you had that experience of receiving Catholic college ministry, flip that around, and then you got to give Catholic ministry at the college level, right? And so then you got to also experience that flip side, moving into giving, doing ministry for, you know, elementary through high school, youth ministry, religious education, and providing ministry to that level. So you've gotten both sides of the coin, really from elementary all the way through college, and had the experience of, of having both. So do you feel, feel like that has given you a perspective that informs your, your ministry when you have both experienced what it's like to receive it now, giving that to people and preparing them for that whole journey, having that lifelong view of ministry as, as you've experienced it. Do you feel like that informs how you approach ministry today? Oh, absolutely. Without a doubt. Um, I have a volunteer in the parish right now that she was actually a volunteer with my youth group in high school. So she's also mm -hmm. known me since I was at well, middle school and high school. Um, and their family has just been super involved in my faith journey. And I'm so grateful to them because they, I can't think of like a specific moment, 
that this family like said a thing or did a thing. They were just young adult Catholics that were wanting to be active in their parish and decided to come to the youth ministry program. Um, and now like I get the blessing of being that person for their kids, um, which is a really cool full circle moment. But I love that their witness to me of just showing up every week, being interested in my life, um, which seems so minuscule now because I was 12. Like <laughs> it's really not that important. Like great school isn't that dramatic. Um, but at that time it was, that was the most important mm-hmm. thing to me. And so now getting to be that person to other people that I get to listen to this kid talk about the hardships, but the joys of show choir, like I don't really care about show choir, but I care about you. And that's, what's most important to you. And so I get to be that person that cares about that. Um, and just knowing that I have that example from experiencing it my own self uh, encourages me to be that person to my students, which I super love. Yeah, that's great. I And I think, too, the the witness then it becomes like a double witness to their kids, right? That that minister, that witness to you. Now you're here in that leadership position and you share how they witness to you and it becomes this double witness to their kids and, and the other kids right. in the group of how this, what, what authentic Catholic community begins to look like and the fruit and gift that it, the fruit that it bears and the gift that it is to people. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I had that, that authentic Catholic community so often growing up and I'm so thankful for that because I really think that those friends that I surrounded myself with um, strengthen my faith and encourage me to be the ministry professional that I am today. And so knowing that I have seen a witness of how that's created and how that's formed and fostered. And now I get to do that with these kids and provide them, even if it's just a space to come and hang out. Um, last night youth group was, we watched the Chronicles of Darnia. Like <laughs> we didn't do anything profound. We just ate popcorn and watched a movie, but it was a good wholesome space for these kids to hang out with each other. Um, and it, that's the coolest thing to me is just creating that fellowship and that community. Um, if they don't take a single thing out of youth group lesson, at least they have good friends. <laughs> <laughs> that's such so a Shannon, what tool or tools do you think every parish needs to have in their tool belt for ministry in the 21st century? Um, I would absolutely say a good communication system and a good, uh, if you're into social media and that's a big thing on your, uh, for your ministry, a social media scheduler, scheduler, excuse me. Um, John actually taught me this when we, he was working alongside me, but he told me that I should take one day out of every month and schedule all my communications because communications is the worst part of my job. Like I struggle with communications. I hate it. Um, I know it's important. I know it's valuable. But I just, if I don't do it on that one day, communication gets behind, I get lost. And so having a good communications platform that you can schedule emails, schedule text messages, whatever form it is, um, is super great. I also like, I love the design aspect of social media, like creating the beautiful looking social media posts, but then actually remembering to post them and come up with a caption is not great. So if I can do all of my emails and text messages scheduling on the same day, same with social media, like having all of the consistent posts and captions scheduled, then like I know they're going out and my work and that is actually fruitful um, and being used and not just forgetting to send a text message. 
So, so when you use these tools, what I heard you say is that when you use these tools and actually when you use them well and work well with them by scheduling them out, right. By yeah. batching that work together, it frees up time for you. Absolutely. That, would you say that's fair? So, so what do you oh, yeah. then, what are the, what then are you able to use that time for? Yeah. Um, I love to be able to use that time to really pour into what it is on my students' heart. So uh, my first year in ministry, I was super excited because I was like, we're going to use this awesome program about the mass and I'm going to make all these children fall on the Eucharist. That was my goal. Um, we went through the program and they were kind of like, eh, like that was great, cool, fun, whatever, but they didn't really get a lot out of it. And so uh, <laughs> scramble like week before a youth group, I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do this week but I really want to pray some Lexio. So maybe I should teach these kids how to pray Lexio. A uh, super simple lesson on just like, what is Lexio Divina? And then I said, great, now we're going to practice it and gave them a sh- super short scripture verse. Um, I don't even remember what it was. It was probably Peter walking on water, if I'm honest. Classic. Um, yeah, <laughs> super classic, easy to pull things out of. So I did that and they were like, I asked them, I said, guys, like, what did you think of Lexio? And they're like, Shannon, I love that. Can we please do that every single week? And I said, absolutely we can. And so I got to spend the rest of that year, like finding ways to pour into these kids through Lexio Divina. Um, and we just picked different, I picked a lot of like the classic Lexio Divina um, verses or passages. And then I just started using the Sunday gospel because I was like, this is going to prepare their hearts well for mass. Or maybe it's like, we're going to read it again because you probably didn't get it when you were at mass. You weren't paying attention. So now we're going to actually like dive into that and help you pick parts out of it. So by like full circle back, the using of the scheduler frees up my week to really like pray about and pour into like what is on my students' hearts? What do they desire to know more about? Um, and that's been so fruitful in my ministry and just helping them dive into the faith more. Um, different ways to pray has been really huge for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it's so important to work well and, and at a high level, right. To work at a high level, to, to kind of have that view of if I can find a way to take these things and shrink them into a smaller chunk of time or batch them into a specific time, then I have time to focus on the more important things in ministry, like the impactful ministry that I'm being called to do. So I, good on you for, not just doing that work well, but then really leveraging the time that that you created, that free time that you created for the most important things. That, that's so important to be able to have that that foresight and be able to apply that to the work that you're doing in the day the day to day. Next question that I have for you is kind of a tough one because it's that that classic balance, right? How how do you balance the spiritual side of ministry with the practical side? Because there's a reality that, I mean, it's not all about the numbers, right? Yeah. It's it's just not all about the numbers, but also it's a little bit about the numbers because <laughs> that's factors in too. So how have you kind of struck a balance with that in your own ministry? Yeah, I would say the first step that I've taken in that is uh, the students that show up to youth group, to whatever event it is. Um, if it's one kid, if it's 10 kids, whatever kids are are there are the ones that the Lord has gifted me for that week, um, for that day and that time and really pouring into those students. So I have one particular student that's just uh, a real struggle. I want to love him very, very well. 
um, but I struggle. And I think honestly, it's just because our personalities clash. Um, and so one week, it was like the end of softball season. It was the middle. It was really nice outside, just like the worst weekend to have youth group. And we had youth group and he was the only one that came. Um, <laughs> God, yeah, the God's only like, gotcha. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, And so I was like, okay, Lord, like I'm here. He's here. I'm not going to say, call your mom. You're going home. Like, that's just, that's not what I'm going to do. And so we were going to just, we were going to play some games and he taught me how to play chess. Um, I've played chess like maybe once or twice in my life. So I don't really understand the game or the strategy at all, but he loves it. And he got so much joy out of teaching me how to play chess. Um, and I like to think that's something that he'll like remember uh, going forward and be like, oh yeah, Shannon does care. She did pour into me. She let me teach her how to play chess. He came back the next week and there were like six or seven other kids. And he's like, dang it, I hope I was hoping I'd be the only one so we could play chess again. I was like, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so really taking that in stride and like the, the kids that are there are the, the people that we're supposed to pour into and whatever that looks like. Maybe that means continuing on with your regular programming that you had planned. Um, because that'll impact that one or two kids, or maybe it's just throwing it all out the window and playing chess. Um, But also like on the practical sides, sometimes numbers tell us something, right? So maybe numbers mean this isn't a good meeting time or this isn't a good format for our ministry. Um, So how can we evaluate, how can we better serve our people? So I look at my high schoolers um, and they, there's a few of them that really love youth group and they're there all the time. But last year I had like, maybe one kid come every week, maybe. And so I would still pour into that student, but then I also had to take a step back and say like, why is it that they're only coming every so often? Well, I think it's because they all have jobs. They all have homework. They're all in 17 activities. And so not that church isn't a priority, but they just, they don't really have time, another hour and a half to give outside of their 17,000 activities and their homework and their work. And so I decided to switch and do high school youth group every other week, hoping that if it would only occur every so often, then it would be, okay, I only have youth group this week and next week I don't have it. So if I go now, I can be invested with my friends. Um, and the commitment level that has changed in my students because they, they're excited that they ex- they're expecting youth group to be every other week, um, but they don't feel the pressure to be there all the time because they it's not every single Sunday night and Sunday night is another thing that's really hard for for high schoolers because of homework and everything else so I think like looking at the numbers as a practical like not that we're doing poor in ministry but how can we better serve the people that we are give we are gifted to serve um what can we maybe change about our ministry to provide a better space a better time whatever it is to better serve these people Oh, I, I love that viewpoint, actually, that perspective of the numbers don't necessarily mean you're doing bad ministry, but it does tell you something about it and maybe how you need to approach that. And um, where do you think, I mean, did somebody teach you that? Or I mean, is that just something you've learned along the way? Is that like, where does that come from? Um, I guess I wouldn't say that there's like any particular person that taught me that, but more of like my knowing my own self and being like a total people pleaser <laughs> my personality like if I was constantly looking at numbers and like letting that be an evaluation of how well I was doing um I would just be miserable um and so instead of letting it be something that ruins me letting it be something that guides me um 
has just been a game changer and a mindset for myself, whether or not they're the same thing, but. Mm -hmm. Well, there's a lot of wisdom in those statements. And so I, I hope our listeners go back over these last couple of minutes and listen to those, just your, your perspective and your way of approaching that, um, that conversation of the balance with the numbers and how that reflects on your ministry and, but really understanding the ministry you've been called to and, and being able to discern in there, what's the next step forward, which might not be changing what you're doing, but the way in which you're offering it, which, which is yeah. so valuable. So I hope our listeners go back and to listen to that. Um, so where, where's somewhere that you see ministry being done well right now? And th I mean, this is your chance to brag on someone else and it, it could be in your church, could be a ministry you follow online, anywhere in the world, whatever it might be, but somewhere you see ministry really being done well. Um, this is always like one of my favorite questions because I get to brag about one of my really good friends. Her name's Katie. Um, Katie and I lived together our my junior year, her senior year of college. Um, and Katie was my focus Bible uh, Bible leader all of college. Um, I actually almost quit after freshman year because I was so uncomfortable because I didn't know anybody. Um, but Katie texted me and I didn't know how to say no. So <laughs> I stuck with it. Um, and we actually ended up living together and serving on a couple of mission trips together, which was so beautiful. But uh, our that year that we lived together was so beautiful because uh, Katie was truly a disciple of Christ and sharing that with me by just living with me. We didn't have like particular meeting on Thursday at 10 a.m. for coffee to talk about our faith life. It was just a way of living for her and it still is today and it's still apparent. Um, but she really walked with me through my faith journey in college by just living with me and asking me about it. Um, but also being invested in my life. She wasn't only invested in my, like my prayer life, but also my life as a whole and being my friend, excuse me. And now Katie and I talk um, every so often and whenever we talk, she always asks me three questions. She asks me, how's work? How's life? And how's your prayer life? And so even though she lives in Kansas, she's married and has a baby. Um, and I live in South Dakota, we still find time to ch chat and she's still being that disciple of Christ um, and discipling me to be a better disciple of Christ by checking in with me on uh, on life and on my prayer life and making sure that Christ is still at the center of my life because she knows that the times that life isn't going great is a time that Christ is not center of my life. And so I just think that's a beautiful witness, like we talked about beautiful witness to um, ministry and life and not just necessarily ministry and working in a physical church building, but ministry as being a disciple of Christ. Um, and she's really inspired me in my friendships in that way. Uh, that's super important to be able to, the, the real value of friendships. And I, yeah. I think there, there's, there's a need for a conversation about this. I'm going <laughs> to rag on young adult ministry a little bit. Because sometimes it becomes this ministry for people who just have trouble making friends. And and what they're really looking for is friends who who live in um live in faith together, who are pursuing Christ together. Um, as opposed yeah. to, you know, they they keep going to this this ministry to try and facilitate this thing when really what they need is a friend that's gonna kind of kick them in the butt when they're not praying, you know, instead Absolutely. of just going to hear about some topic or have a, you know, a kind of a social mixer where they can pair up and, you know, made off and all that stuff. You know, it's just, they, there's a need for a conversation around how to develop real friendships. And so um, whenever Katie and you write the book on that, um, I'll buy it and I'll read it. So, but that value, I mean, this is what Ty has been for me over the years is 
there's been times where we've both needed to just like headbutt the other and say, Hey, you know, get your poop in a group and, and start living right. You know, try to yeah. figure this thing out. <laughs> and, but right. also then being able to champion each other and, and really um, get each other praying. Ty forced me to do this. Like, what was it? The never ending novena or what the they call that? The, the irresistible, the irresistible novena. Because well, it, <laughs> it's so long, it's considered it's never so ending. Long. <laughs> and and I would, I'd be like falling asleep at night, but I'd be like, no, I gotta finish this because Ty is counting on me. You know, but just the value of those friendships that just, just living together, and it's not so. Those aren't things that we do all the time, but our faith comes up every time we talk, pretty much. Right. And the value of that for for leading people in faith is is, is wonderful. I think what Absolutely. it what I hear out of that is just genuineness, right? It's not, yeah. hey, I'm going to teach you this really cool thing about the Catholic faith, but then after we're done it, I'm going to shut it off and then go live my life separately. It sounds like Katie um, has shared with you kind of her life in Christ and not just Christ that is in her life, if that makes right. sense. Oh, so that sounds really awesome. Um, I think John's giving me way too much credit. <laughs> well, I am, but you know, it's. It's for the yeah. listeners. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. So I guess the next question for, for you, Shannon, that I have is what's your favorite ministry resource right now? Hmm. Uh, I really love our parish's subscription to Canva Pro. Um, it sounds so silly, but uh, I say pro because you have to have the pro version to do the scheduling aspect of it, which is like the absolute best part of it. Um, I. I yeah through Canva I've discovered a a gift I guess you would say for designing um cool looking posters and social media posts and whatever um I use it all the time for flyers for social media for our t-shirts uh and I do think there is something to be said about aesthetically pleasing uh looking flyers and stuff because I think it catches our team's eyes uh, I say team because that's what mainly what I work with but that's what our teens are looking for. They're not going to stop and look at my social media posts if it's just words on a white square necessarily. Um, but if I can make it look consistent and like and sharp, then they'll probably. I hope they stop and look at it. Um, and with the pro version, you get the you get access to their schedule, which is super nice because then I can just schedule a post to be posted on my Instagram and not have to worry about going in and figuring it out because I'm not <laughs> I'm not the most uh, social media savvy. So I, I can just say, <laughs> get away and let it post it. <laughs> so I, I, I like that a lot because I try to explain to the people in my parish that do the parish bulletin that I know they put all the information in there, but it's it's just like this block text in, and my millennial brain is not wired to process that information. <laughs> so it really is important that that graphic design element is important even yeah. if it's not a complete overhaul to at least be intentional in how it's designed to grab well, the eyes. It, it, even when you think about it, you know, we talk about learning or drawing people to the faith. There's three reasons they, they come, right? It's either because it's good, it's true, or it's beautiful. Well, right. teenagers in their, how they view things, it's very visual. They want it to be cool. They want to be, you know, um, cutting edge or they, they just want it to be aesthetically pleasing to their eye. If it's not, they're not going to pay attention to it. If it Absolutely. looks like something that their parents put together on Microsoft paint, they're not going to show up. <laughs> yeah. 
I would like to tell you you're wrong, but I don't think you are. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we, we have one more really important question for you, Shannon. Um, and that's, if you had the attention of the whole world for 90 seconds, what would you say? Um, I would tell them how much they are abundantly loved by our Heavenly Father uh, and how that makes that worldview makes everything worth it, whether that's the joys, that's the hardships. Um, if I don't remember that I am abundantly loved by the Father, then I lose track of why I'm here. Um, and the whole reason we're here is to know, love, and serve Him. And so that's all out of His abundant love for us. Um, and that's just what I wish to communicate to all my students uh, because I think there's so many times and places that they can feel unloved or not wanted um, or ignored, but the root of it all is that they're abundantly loved by the Father and nobody or not, uh, no thing can take that away from them. So how do you make sure that you don't lose sight of that, especially as you're in ministry and there, you have so many demands on your time and so many different hats you have to wear that split your attention? How do you stay focused on that, not losing sight of that? Yeah, so this is actually um, something that's fairly, I would say, recent in my faith journey. Um, I had a, a great, I guess, revelation, you could say, my senior year of college, and that I was struggling to love myself because I knew, I felt that I was not worthy to be loved. Um, and I wasn't letting the Lord love me because I wasn't worthy of this love. And so I was at our ministry fair and this little old lady from the local parish came up and asked me if I wanted to do a holy hour. And I said, I don't, I don't know how to tell you no. <laughs> and I have no reason to say no. Darn it, uh, Ethel. <laughs> I know. <laughs> like I have, uh, I really had no reason to say no. And so I signed up for um, like Friday evening at midnight. So technically Saturday morning at midnight, because I'm like, I'm never going to do anything at that time. Um, I'll always be available. And so I, went to that holy hour every week. And in that holy hour, I was really drawn to the litany of trust. Um, and I think the very last line of litany of trust is um, that I am your beloved Jesus, I trusted you. And I found myself being able to like all the other phrases, I could truly surrender and, and trust the Lord in. But that one, that one, I was like, no, like I'm not worthy. I am not his beloved. And so I started um, with inspiration from the litany of trust at the end of my holy hour, after my, at the end of my journal, I would write out a litany uh, of my own. That was like, that you are worthy of being loved, that you are his beloved, that um, he loves you unconditionally, unconditionally. Any of these phrases that like, I didn't believe myself uh, and just entrust them to the Lord in the presence of his, of uh, the Holy Eucharist. Um, and slowly like, the Lord worked in my heart to heal those places that I didn't feel loved or feel worthy and let me build that trust in him that I am worthy to be loved, that he does love me unconditionally. Um, and by no means, this is like perfect at all. I still have my moments where I'm like, wow, I am a piece of crap. <laughs> um, but I just go back to that uh, and allowing myself to surrender what my mind is telling me, what my heart feels and let the Lord come in and put his love in my heart. Um, and it's really made a world of difference and seeing the value of his love in my life, because no matter what I do, um, no matter what friendship hurts me, what, uh, what grade I get on my grad school assignment, if I have a ministry thing that flops, whatever it is, 
at the end of the day, the Lord's love for me is still abundant and still true. And that's never going to change because the only person that can take it away is him and he's not going to. Um, so it's been a lot of work <laughs> to get myself to this point, to share, be able to share that. Um, but the Lord is good and he's brought me here. So, well, well, that's, I appreciate your vulnerability. It's, it's sometimes tough to share those things when, but, but that's really where the Lord shines right in, in our weaknesses. Yeah. And when we can confront those and offer those to him, those natural walls that we put up in our own hearts um, to, to really work and, and allow him to chisel away at those. So we can be even more united to him in, in every single layer of our being. Amen. So thank you for your vulnerability there. Yeah. Um, this has been an awesome conversation. Is there anywhere you want to invite our listeners that they can go to connect with you if they have questions or want to support your ministry? Yeah, um, you can find us on Instagram at SKDYouth1. Um, yeah, that's where all of our youth stuff is. Uh, and it's run by myself. So if you have any questions, just shoot, shoot me a message on there and I can reach out to you. Great, great. Who do you think we should have on the podcast next? Um, I would love for you guys to chat with Hector Bautista. He's the uh, director of youth discipleship evangelization for the diocese of Sioux Falls. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's pretty, right. he's really cool. All right, we'll reach out to him. Hey, work on your side so that he I doesn't will. go, who are these guys? <laughs> I'll let him know. He right. sounds very intimidating. No. Hector he's Bautista. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I'll let John connect with him. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for listening to the Catholic Ministry Professionals podcast. If you want to transform your parish through your work, but you're not sure where to start, download the free parish health assessment at catholicministryprofessionals.com slash free assessment. It's 36 questions. It only takes about five minutes to fill out. And afterwards, you will have a color-coded picture of your parish's health that you can then use to fuel better conversations, prioritize better work, and become a better leader. And if you want to request a free consultation or send feedback, email us at catholicminpros at gmail.com. And with that, we'll see you in the vineyard. <laughs> <laughs>